You're listening to the Superman Super Show, episode number one, Champion of the Oppressed. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Superman Super Show. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and a thousand miles over there to my right is the other host, Mr. Ed Moore. Ed, say say hi. Say hi to him, Ed. Just give us a big hi. Hi to him, Ed. Hi to him, Ed. Hey, how about you? Why don't we take a moment here and have you go ahead and just tell everybody who you are uh, and uh, why they should listen to you talk about Superman. Okay, that's easy. You should listen to me talk about Superman because I'm better than you and you know... No, I'm sorry. That No, that, I don't mean that. I, that's a I'm joke. writing that down. All, all of you AEW fans will recognize that. That's... Yeah. So... Um, why you should listen to me is not so much me, but because you're interested in Superman, uh, I, I would think. Um, I probably am not the most entertaining person in the world, so don't you know? Don't rely on me. Rely on what I'm talking about. Uh, I think there's a lot of Superman fans out there, and I um, have listened to podcasts since very near the beginning of the of the format, the media medium, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I have been recording and, and putting out my own since 2009. So I've, uh, there's been a lot of podcast noise go through this head, uh, over that period of time. And as far as I know, there are currently less than a handful of shows talking about Golden Age Superman, if even a handful. So in that it's rather exclusive territory and, someone out there is interested in Superman, well, let's talk about Superman, or well, rather, let's listen to someone talk about Superman from the very beginning, which is not really what you hear talked about anymore. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you know, one of the one of the hot things for podcasts is the new hotness, whatever it might the be. new hotness, yep. Uh, movies, movie-related shows. I mean, we've got what? We've got Moon Knight coming up. We've got Morbius coming up. We've got... Those those books are just shooting off the shelves right now, and everybody's yeah. standing in line to talk about them, you know? Um, Superman has been around since, uh, well, since way before me. So, uh, just a couple years, uh, you know, but that's way. Uh, so, th this Golden Age stuff, it... Okay. If you've never read Golden Age comic books, they have a rhythm all to their own. They are very distinctive. Uh, you can certainly tell reading a Golden Age book compared to the Superman that came out halfway through last week. Vastly different writing, vastly different art. That just Other than the word Superman, they pretty much are two completely different things. True. So, it to me, I enjoy... I, I read plenty of contemporary comic books. I enjoy something that is not. Um, currently, a lot of my time is taken up with my favorite time period, which is the uh, late 70s through the 80s to the early 90s. Indie, or, well, not Marvel or DC stuff. The, that's stuff that really has my imagination going right now. Mm -hmm. This Golden Age stuff is even different from that. So, yeah. why listen to the show? Don't listen to it for me. Listen to it because you like Superman and you're interested in Superman from the very beginning, which uh, we both have noted and we will bring up is very different from <laughs> what Superman is now. Yeah, very and that's, different. I think that's a, a good reason to listen. 
How about you? What do you think? Well, how long? Have, let, let me let me ask you a couple okay. questions. How long have you been reading comics? Uh, since I was, um, well, quite young, probably 70. Let's see. I moved to West Virginia in 75 when I was seven. So since I was six, uh, I just turned 54. So that's what, over 45 years, roughly. You're not that much older than me. I turned 50 uh, this year. Okay. Um, I've been reading since the early 80s, so not quite as long as you. Okay. And I I have found for myself that I have had a couple of periods. It, it, it I haven't been reading comics straight through since since the early 80s. I, I've mm-hmm. had periods in the 90s and uh, sometime around 2009, 2010, where I just I just stepped away for a few years and then and then eventually got back in. But um, what are some of what are some of the uh, the podcasts that that you're um, on? Spotlight a couple of them for us. Right now, um, I have three that are, are pretty consistently coming out. I've got um, the Ronin Rabbit, which is one about Usagi Ojimbo who is, uh, his stuff is coming out from IDW right now, and it's in color, but traditionally, up until the last 20, uh, roughly 30 uh, issues of, I don't know, almost 200, has been in black and white. Mm -hmm. So, his transition, his creator's transition to IDW is now in color. Well, there was a a time period where they came out from Mirage, uh, the same company that does the Ninja Turtles. Uh, Those were color, too. But otherwise, everything else has been in black and white. That comes out once a month. I've got the Mighty Thorcast. Uh, the Ronin Rabbit I do solo. I've got the Mighty Thorcast, which I think is kind of on hiatus because we're having some uh, website issues currently. Uh, that is uh, my wife and I talking about Thor, uh, Marvel's Thor. Every episode, we talk about an old book, which is the original volume that started back in 66, 68, something like that. Something like that. And a newer book, which will be stuff like the uh, the female Thor and the not worthy Thor lately and Jason Aaron and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm also doing uh, Lords of Order, which is a DC's Dr. Fate podcast. I do that solo. And um, after a lengthy hiatus, I just got into non- Golden Age stories for Dr. Fate. The first mm, volume, let's say, of that show, the first, I don't know, 60 to 70 episodes were one Golden Age story per episode. Very similar to what we're doing here, only mm-hmm. with Dr. Fate. And my newest one is probably the one I'm, I'm most hyped about right now. I'm, I'm calling Newsprint Commando, um, where I'm talking about those books from the 80s that I mentioned earlier that really are... Uh, in in my imagination, and I just finished up talking about books on that show from Capital Comics, which were Nexus, uh, Badger, and a female ninja called Whisper. Hmm. So I finished that up, and I'm getting ready to move to another company because actually that that was all the books Capital Comics put out. They were a distributor. Yeah. They played for a little while. I found it for whatever reason not to their liking, and got out of m- making the books and went back to just distributing them. Um, so I, I have another company already set up for that that I'll start recording about here next. But those are the mm-hmm. those are the current shows that I've got coming out right now. You're also the co-host of Boom Addiction with uh, yes, Chris Pardon. Yes, uh, we're all about Boom Studios comics, and that's it. Just mm-hmm. Boom. Uh, we we focus on that company's uh, books. Yeah, it's a good show, and I think you guys are maybe the Thank only you. ones doing that. Um, about Boom or about yeah. one company? Yeah, well, about as, Boom. Yeah. 
Yeah, as far and, as we know, I mean, um, the the popular books, you know, will come up in some right. some other shows where people right. talk about the the new hotness that yep. I referred to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we that we talk about all of them the yeah. the kids books and the middle age books and the adulty books and yeah, they got some good stuff. They got some good yep. stuff. I like I like listening to your show because you guys often turn me on to uh, books that I may not have noticed, okay. and uh, then I often will find them over on the Hoopla. So I can read them for free. Thanks to our public library system. All right. Which is a wonderful system. All right. So for myself, I am the host of the Just Another Fanboy podcast. I do a couple others, but I haven't put out any episodes in a great long while. So I'm, I'm, I'm really focused on Just Another Fanboy at this point. I actually started that back in 2006, recorded for three years, maybe, I think 130 some episodes, and then yeah. just walked away. And uh, didn't podcast for, well, until 2019. So would I, that qualify as a mic drop after this? It mic dropped and then yes. picked up again uh, 15 years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Much, much later. But yeah, yeah. You, you're like yeah. three years, mic drop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, it was kind of pointed out to me um, that uh, I was not spending a lot of time with the family. And I had little kids at the time. And I, I, yeah, uh, uh, was not, a completely understand. I was being an idiot. So now that they're now, now they're teenagers, they don't need me. So I have the benefit of being in that position. Uh, I have two sons. One was born in 95, one in 97. I'm not even sure they know my name anymore. So, you know, I, I have spare time. It's, it, it's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to just talk a bit about how I got into Superman. Okay. Um, or here, let, let me set it up. Let me set it up. Okay. So, Stephen, thank, thank you for inviting me on the show uh, today. Um, long-time listener, first-time talker. Um, you say that, um, that, that you are a Superman fan. Why, why don't you tell us your Superman origin story? You know, the first time I was introduced to the character of Superman was on the Super Friends. I don't know. My, my memory doesn't go back that far to know which season because it's it's almost it was almost like a different show each season there were like four or five seasons mm -hmm. but i just remember of all the characters on the super friends you know i thought batman was pretty cool and wonder woman was cool you know i liked all of them but there was just something about superman how he was uh just well first of all he was the most powerful right character on the show there was a time where he actually i, I couldn't tell you what episode it was i couldn't tell you why he did it but he moved the earth in it was either out of orbit and he moved it back into orbit in in being animation it was really funny because he's he's standing there on the ground and he's he's basically like i'll take care of this and he flies out into space turns around and grabs the atmosphere basically and pushes the earth back into place so instead of just <laughs> okay. doing like a handstand where he was Oh, right. He goes yeah. out and grabs the atmosphere, which even as a kid, I'm like, I don't think that's the way it works. I, I had no problem with him moving the earth, <laughs> but right. the way he did it, I, that's that's yep. not how it works, Superman. Too, but, too much uh, suspension of disbelief there. It's, uh, yeah. Exactly. So Superman, I have always claimed that he is my, my favorite superhero. He's my top number one with Spider-Man coming in at number two. But- if you if if you're listening to the podcast now and you look at our podcast art, there's a little dude right in the middle of that podcast art holding up a, a Superman shirt, and that's me uh, back in the early '80s, late '70s with my first Superman shirt. Really excited cool. about it. 
Um, as far as Superman in the comic books, I didn't start reading Superman until John Byrne's Man of Steel. When John Byrne came on in 86 okay. and rebooted DC Comics, I was reading some Marvel back then. My brother, my older brother was buying comics. I think he worked at a comic book store at the time. And he would basically, he'd get his week, his weekly comics and he would read his comics and then he would lay them out on the steps that led up to his bedroom. It's like, these are the ones you can read tonight. And that's, ah, that's how I kind of okay. got into comics and started reading Superman. And then I read, I read a lot of, I, 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 you know, I didn't get that far in the, in the John Byrne run back then, probably because, uh, my brother stopped buying them. But once I started purchasing my own books, um, I got back into Superman in the, the nineties, uh, basically around the time that he, just before he was going to die. And, okay. uh, so I, I was there for that and then was just kind of in and out. I remember Kurt Busiek, Busiek coming on at one point and, yeah, I would just kind of back and forth. But what made me want to do this is because I thought to myself, all right, you claim that Superman is your top number one favorite superhero, but you've never read his his origin. You've never read Action Comics number one. You've never read any of these Golden Age books. You've never read any of these Silver Age books. So let's put your money where your mouth is and let's, let's start reading this stuff. And uh, it's been kind of an eye opener, you know, <laughs> compared to who, who he was on the Super Friends to who he was okay. from with John Byrne and now the the original Superman yeah. from Action Comics number one, which is when when we get into some of these issues, it's it's uh it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It some is of the yeah. stuff he does. And I know we, we talk about Golden Age comics, and I know that for a lot of comics back in the Golden Age, there was a period where some of these books just really sold. I mean, they just made bank off of some of these books and so a lot of these publishing companies who may not have even been doing comics at the time, they're like, we got to start doing comics. Let's make our yeah. own version of Superman. And there was just, just, they didn't care what the story was about. They didn't care if it made sense. They didn't care if, if it had a beginning, middle and end. It's like, got a colorful character with a cake, get them out there and we'll, we'll, we'll sell some copies. And, yep. and, uh, you kind of, when, when we start talking about issue number one, you almost get uh, almost a sense of that. But as we move forward, at least I, I read the first four issues. You said you, you told me earlier you read the first six. Mm -hmm. And whereas one and two are kind of, there's a connective story that right. the end of one uh, continues into issue two, but then issue three and four are kind of one and done. Right. And I'm assuming they, they, they go that way for a while. But Well, even issue one, that connection with issue two is kind of tenuous. I mean, it's there, but it's like- yeah. It's it's not like what we're used to. Right. Uh, the next book picks up where the pr prior stopped, and and yep. that's that's how we read. You know, now it's like this one off. You know, here, but this path that he didn't take is the one that leads to two. And so, yeah, it was it was yeah. kind of odd. So, um, with this first episode, the plan is is we're going to look at one issue per episode. We're starting with Action Comics number one. We're actually both. Uh, at the moment, we're reading these uh, through a collection called Superman in the Golden Age. And we're starting with volume one, which collects the Superman stories from Action Comics uh, 1 through 19. It also includes selections from Superman 1 through 3, as well as the issue uh, New York's, the, the New York World's Fair comic issue number one. And I have to admit, when I saw selections, 
mm-hmm. from Spider from Superman one through three, I had to I kind of ju- jump forward and I looked at Superman issue number one on the DC app, and it basically has a lot of stuff that was in Action Comics number one and two and and whatnot. So I think they're just pulling st- pulling stuff out that they hadn't already that wasn't reprinted. Right. Yeah. That that's what I noticed too. Is I, I looked a little bit ahead just to see. And uh, it, I, I didn't look specifically to to figure it out, but I see yeah. that at least issue one of the Superman titled book uh, is mostly reprints of these action comics. I don't know to what extent or anything yeah. like that yet. Yeah. But. yeah, we'll we'll find out. That'll be the fun thing about this, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about it in each episode. But you know, we we talk about how different Superman was then to what he is now. So it'll be kind of fun to see when they introduce certain elements that we know now, uh, you know, if, if, and when they introduce them, uh, as we're reading, if we get that far, you know, it's, it's, this is, this will be kind of the, the whole point of this show is how far are we going to get, you know, before we just decide that's too much. That's just too much Superman. But, we're going to uh, get to Brian Michael Bendis, man, no, all boy. the way. I, you know what? Um, I have tried to read his, of course, he comes on and, and, and he does, his first thing he does is a mini called Man of Steel. And I've tried to, re, I've tried to get into it a couple of times and I just, I'm really kind of hit and miss with Brian Michael Bendis. Some of his stuff yeah. I really like, some of his stuff I just roll my eyes at and just like, come on, stop trying to be so clever. So and yeah, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how far we get. But in preparation for the episode, before we talk about Action Comics number one, I got some some history of how Superman came to be and how Action Comics number one came to be. I'll be honest with you, I didn't work really hard getting this research. I just went to Wikipedia because... Uh, well, you don't have to try real hard. There, There's a lot of stuff out there. And if you really look at it, it's the same stuff yeah. just put together by somebody else. And, somebody, you know, so it, a lot of it, you, you'll probably read 10 things and... 80% of it will be exactly alike, uh, you know, 15% of it will be questionable and then 5% is different. And so it's actually right. new each, each time. So, yeah. Now if I was doing like an essay type podcast on the history of Superman, then sure. I'd go out and read a bunch of the books yep. on Superman and, and listen to podcasts and find interviews and all that junk. But yeah, I just went to, I just I, went to Wikipedia. Right. This this is a hobby. It's not a yep. job. We both have one of those job things. So That's it's, right. Yeah. That's right. It's it's not what we're about. We, we have a we have a job and we have a we have a home life. So yep. and tons of other comics we want to read. Uh, yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Superman, of course, first appeared in Action Comics number one, which was published on April eighteenth in nineteen thirty eight. Was created by writer Jerry Siegel and artist Joe Sh- uh, Schuster. They met in 1932 in Cleveland, Ohio, in high school, Glenville High. Cool. And at the time, Siegel was writing science fiction stories, which he self-published as a magazine called Science Fiction, the Advanced Guard, the Advanced Guard of Future Civilization, which is a pretty hefty title. It, it is. It is. <laughs> Schuster would provide illustrations for his stories. And cool. in one of the magazines in January of 1933, Siegel wrote a story called The Reign of the Superman, in which Uh-oh. Schuster provided some illustrations. This Superman was a, was a homeless guy named Bill Dunn. Uh, Schuster drew him as a bald man. Um, yeah, he was homeless, and he was basically bamboozled into taking an experimental drug 
by an evil scientist, which gave him mind control powers. Uh, he could also read minds and he could see a bit into the future. Mm. Um, now this Superman, unlike the one we have today, who is a hero and, and fights crime and saves the world, this one used his new powers to, to make money. He was, he was a bit of a villain. Uh, now, don't you think most people in his situation would probably do that as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think honestly, that's, it's, I think that's what's so great about Spider-Man's origin is because that is exactly the first thing he did. And if it wasn't for the fact that he let that guy go, who then ended up killing Uncle Ben, he'd probably still be doing all that today. He'd still be a wrestler and, yep, yeah. It's a, it's, I, I like it because it's not just, you know, I've got superpowers, so I have to go out and fight crime. No, it's, it's a very moral type mm -hmm. of story. It's, a, it's, you know, it's, it, it hammers home the whole with great responsibility, or with great powers comes great responsibility. Um, all right, so eventually, uh, Siegel and Schuster, they set their sights on doing newspaper comic strips. And in doing so, they revisited the Superman character. And so he changed a bit the second time. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> um, just a bit. Well, this guy, he uh, also got his powers from an evil scientist. But this time he had uh, super strength, and bulletproof skin, and he fought crime. Because apparently a lot of the... the the newspaper strips at the time featured heroes and right. they, they wanted their Superman to be a hero, but uh, they um, kept getting rejected from various publishers. And so Jerry Siegel just assumed that the reason that they kept getting rejected was because both he and Joe Schuster were unknowns in the business. So he actually stopped working with Joe Schuster, who was so angry over this that the 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 Superman story they wrote, uh, they they actually wrote a little comic book that was uh, I don't know if it was ever published, but it featured their their second version of Superman who had the super strength and the bulletproof skin. Schuster was so angry about it that apparently he burned the only copy in existence, uh, except for the cover, which you can find out on on mm -hmm. Wikipedia. But Siegel began sending scripts to the with the superman ideas to to artists and the first script he sent out superman changed yet again he was a guy who came from the future and everybody in the future had superpowers but at some point in the future the earth explodes superman escapes this by find getting in a time machine and traveling back to well his past their present which would be like 1934 Right. And, of course, once he arrives in 1934, he uses his powers to fight crime, which sounds a lot like Booster Gold to a, to, to a certain extent. Well, it's also starting to sound a lot like Superman, you know, yeah. little a by little. Yeah, it, we got the, so the, yeah. we're getting there. We're the getting world there. is exploding and, and he goes to a different world, basically. Right. His superpowers um, and, and, and all that, not the mental powers. And he's a good yep. guy, not a bad guy. And so, yeah. Okay. Exactly. We're, yeah. We're, we're so seeing then another script that he sends out expands on it even more and changes it a bit more and we get even closer. So this is a, a Superman where he is from the distant future. The earth is going to explode and the last surviving man sends his three-year-old son back to 1935. The time machine appears on a road where it is found by Sam and Molly Kent. They leave the boy in an orphanage. 
but the people there at the orphanage, they can't deal with him because he has super strength and impenetrable skin. So the Kents adopt the boy. They name him Clark and they teach him that he must use his fantastic gifts for the benefit of humanity. Okay. So now we're getting even closer. Well, sounds very familiar. Yes. Yes. Eventually, Siegel and Schuster reconciled. Um, they resumed developing Superman together. He now uh, became an alien from the planet Krypton. Schuster designed the costume with the, the tights, the S on his chest, the underwear over the pants and the cape and all that. And then uh, at one point, December 1937, Jack Leibowitz asked Jerry Siegel to produce some comics for an upcoming comic anthology magazine called Action Comics. And Siegel was like, all right, I'll give you some new stuff, but I'm not going to give you my Superman stories because he and Schuster were trying to negotiate a deal at the time with a McClure newspaper syndicate to, to put new Superman in the, in the newspapers. But newspaper strip. by January, the newspaper deal fell through. And Siegel was asked to pass on those Superman strips that he and Schuster had created to Leibowitz so they can look at it for Action Comics. Apparently, Leibowitz and, and the other folks really liked them and asked Siegel and Schuster to develop the strips into 13 pages for Action Comics. And again, I didn't do a lot of research on this, but based on, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that first story, but just kind of based on the way, even like the first pages laid out. I wonder if what they mean by that is they actually took those strips and in essence, essence cut and pasted a lot of them and then added stuff yeah. to it to develop a, Could a very 13 well be. page story. Yeah. 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 Just uh, drew new, maybe some sort of connecting uh, panels, but yeah, some of those panels look exactly like uh, something that, that strikes me as would be in a newspaper at that yeah. time. Certainly. Exactly. Now, of course, originally, uh, Siegel didn't want to provide any Superman stuff to this Action Comics thing. But at this point, uh, they were getting tired of having all their stuff rejected. So they're like, all right, let's do it. At least we'll, we'll see our Superman in print. So they submitted their work in late February of 1938. They were paid $130, which is $10 per page. And according to Wikipedia, that would be equivalent equivalent to uh, $2,390 in 2020 money. For just that first book. Right. Just for that, just for those 13 pages. I, I would have to say almost $2,500 for one comic book is not bad. No, yeah, I'd have to agree I mean, for, and not even a, a full, you know, nowadays they're, they're anywhere from 22 to 32 pages. And this was a 13 pager and they'd already done most of it. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Really. So. And then, of course, in early March of 1938, they signed a contract which gave away the copyright for Superman yeah. to Detective Comics, Inc., which we now know as DC, uh, which, of course, that was the, the normal business practice back then. So that's a little history of how Superman came to be and how he how he uh, ended up in, in Action Comics. And then what we're going to do is hopefully try to find out how he became so gosh darn famous. Uh, that I, that may be a little bit more <laughs> amorphous than anything yes. we can do. It's kind of, uh, yeah. All right. So uh, let's, let's talk about issue number one here. And we're just, uh, we're just talking about the Superman tale from Action Comics number one, which, uh, as I said earlier, was an anthology series. This story is called The Champion, or, or it's called Champion of the Oppressed, and I'll, I'll read you a little synopsis here. As a distant planet is destroyed by old age, 
A scientist places his infant son in a space capsule and launches it toward Earth. The capsule is found by a passing motorist who brings the baby to an orphanage where the child astounds the attendants with his superhuman powers. The child, who is named Clark Kent, can jump over buildings, lift enormous weights, and run faster than a freight train. Furthermore, his skin is impenetrable. Realizing that he has powers far beyond normal humans, Clark dedicates himself to serve humanity as Superman, the champion of the oppressed. Superman learns that an innocent woman named Evelyn Curry is to be executed for murder. He captures the real murderess and delivers her, bound and gagged, to the governor's mansion. He breaks through the door to confront the governor and convinces him to call off the execution at the last minute. At the Daily Star, where Clark works as a reporter, he's given the assignment to cover the stories about a man with amazing strength named Superman. He hears a tip about a wife beating and rushes off to cover it, then changes into Superman and stops the man before he kills his wife. Returning to the Daily Star, Superman asks fellow reporter Lois Lane out on a date. She accepts out of pity. A thug named Butch Matson tries to cut in while Clark and Lois are dancing. To protect his secret identity, Clark pretends to be a cowardly weakling. Convinced that Clark is a spineless worm, Lois slaps Butch and walks out. Enraged, Butch and his friends leave the club and take Lois prisoner. Superman spots them and gives chase, smashing the car with his bare hands. He picks Lois up into his arms and carries her to safety. She's astonished, and the next morning she tells her editor about the, her experience with Superman, although she's even more cold to Clark than before. Clark is given an assignment to go to San Monte, a war-torn South American republic. First, he goes to Washington, D.C., where he spies a slick lobbyist, Alex Greer, trying to convince Senator Barrows to involve the U.S. in a war with Europe. Superman grabs Greer and demands to know who he's working for. Greer refuses to talk, so Superman jumps up to the roof of the Capitol building and threatens to smash Greer to the ground. So that synopsis uh, was taken from DCFandom.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. But what do you think about this story, Ed? Um, it seemed very broken right. uh, uh, to, to what I'm used to reading. Uh, I'll, I'll say it that way. Um, and with what you told us before about the origins of the the character, it almost sounds like this is maybe a day or a week worth of strips for each one of these stories uh, yeah. that we have here because the only connection is that superman is in them there is nothing connecting them yeah. uh you know as as he is flying from one he sees this and decides to take care of it or anything it's just he does this he does that he does this he does, so it it's just yeah it, it definitely it definitely reads more than what we're looking at in the in the book something yeah. something else occurred and and now it's in the book yeah it was uh it was a bit disjointed and uh it real good lord so much happens in those 13 pages <laughs> yes. i mean we get his origin story we you know he uh I'm, I'm looking through it right now yeah he the part with the woman that uh he has taken to the governor's mansion it takes me a minute to realize what 
what is he doing? He's got this freaking woman bound and gagged and he's just like, stay here and sticks her behind a tree. And then, yeah, butts into the governor's mansion. The guy who tries to stop him is like, here, you try to get through this door. (laughs) He's like, okay. And just pushes the door off the hinges. The governor tries to shoot him and the bullet bounces off. And then, yeah, then, then there's the date with Lois. There's the, him stopping the wife beater. There's the, 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 just so much happened. It was just, yeah, it was just like, bam, 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 bam. And so far, at least in the first four issues that I read, that breakneck pace doesn't, doesn't slow down at all. No, no. It's, 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 it's flipping crazy. And you can almost, the, the, the thing I've noticed, I noticed about these golden age comics, and you can, you can say the same for, for many decades after you could almost read the comic without looking at the pictures mm-hmm. and know exactly what's going on. Right, yeah. Cause the, the narration tells you everything. It, right. It's like, just in case you're wondering if you're looking at a guy jumping over a train, the narration box will tell you that you're looking at a guy jumping over a train. Yep. Yeah. And if you look at his power set in this issue, what's, what's the one, the one big thing we know about Superman that's missing well, that he, from this that issue. He can fly. He can't fly yet. No, <laughs> not at all. He jumps. He he's like the Hulk from Marvel. He just jumps from place to place, which looks funny as crap. As far yeah, <laughs> you know, I always associate, with the exception of Batman, I always associate capes with flying characters. Mm-hmm. So just seeing this guy jumping around with his cape, I just I find it funny because then it, when he finds that that the guy who is who is uh bribing the politician, you know, yeah, he just picks him up and he leaps to one building and he, he's, he's dancing across a wire, like a telephone yeah, wire, an electrical he's wire. the phone lines. Yeah. <laughs> Very. It, it, there's a lot of places uh, in, in these first four issues where he reminds me a lot more of the flash than he does of Superman, yeah. you know, because he's running everywhere and yep. he's running the power lines and he's faster than a train, well, yep. you know, faster than a speeding locomotive, but it's, it's all like, there's, you know, there's, there's a longstanding joke about Conan from the first uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movie. Mm-hmm. You, you might not necessarily notice or pay attention to it, but when somebody tells you he ran everywhere, you're like, oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? He never, ru- never heard of a horse. Yeah, he's always walking, running everywhere, and that's the way Superman is. Even he could jump. You know, and and it would be a little bit easier for him. No, he just runs everywhere. He's like Forrest Gump. He was running. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I heard, I'm going to throw a rumor at you um, because I think it will be interesting as we uh, move forward, you know, when certain powers show up. For for those of us, I think, who are, who are, Familiar with the modern day super Superman, there are there are certain things that we know is his flight, his strength, his invulnerability, his heat vision, his X-ray vision, and uh, even maybe his freeze breath. Okay. So it'll be it'll be fun to find out when all these show up. But I I read a rumor and it just it just dawned on me. I read a rumor uh, a number of weeks ago or maybe months ago about how they decided that Superman was going to start flying and. Whether or not this is true, I don't know, but it actually came from the Fleischer animated features. Okay. Um, because if you, apparently as you're, if you watch all the Fleischer animated features, the first few he's, he's jumping mm-hmm. and then eventually he starts flying and. Yeah, he, he flew yeah. in those. But the, the, the first few he doesn't. And 
we, we, uh, my son grew up with a, a videotape that had like the, the first, I think it was the first Fleischer animated feature, Superman feature. And yeah, he doesn't fly at all. He jumps all over the place. Okay. And then I okay. distinctly remember watching the 1978 Richard Donner Superman movie. And he <laughs> comes in the room and he's like, oh, cool, Superman. And then when Superman flies, Simon's head just like exploded. He was like, oh my gosh, he can fly. Because all he had, all he was familiar with was that one cartoon. Okay. Well, I read that uh, the animators, um, they either found it uh, difficult or time exhausting to constantly have Superman bending at the knees and jumping all the time. Okay. And so they just, they asked, hey, can we just make him fly? And they were like, yeah, let's just make him fly. And that, again, I don't know if that rumor <laughs> wow. is true, but I, I okay. read that as the first time we see Superman fly is in a Fleischer cartoon and it's because the animators didn't, couldn't do, couldn't do the jumping or the jumping looked ridiculous or something. Mm -hmm. It was something about the animators and the jumping. And then they just asked the, the, the DC folks, can we just make him fly? And they were like, sure, let's just make him fly. Well, we just need to look up and see when, when he started flying in the Fleischer cartoons, what yeah. the time frame was and compare it to what is going yeah. on in the, in the comic. But that's, that would be funny if yeah. now, you know, millions of years later, that's why we have Superman flying is because the animators didn't want to draw yeah. him jumping all the time. So if anybody can confirm that. That would be that would be cool. Yeah, I have a I have an email set up. We'll, we'll remind you what it is at the end of the episode, but it's the Superman Super Show at gmail.com. Oddly enough, Superman Super Show at gmail.com was not available. Hmm. Yeah. There's no, I've I never I, heard of it. Yeah. I can't find any record of, of a YouTube channel or a, or a podcast or anything called the Superman no. super show, but that email okay. was, was taken. I think somebody heard, heard us talking. Could be. And they said, they're not going to want to do the, in their we're, email. We're not going to pay you for it. Right. So you Heck might as no. well just drop it. Heck so, yeah, no, that's right. Um, the other thing that, that I noticed that, that is also different from then to now is of course the, the newspaper he works for is the daily star. Mm -hmm. And not the Daily Planet, where he works now. Right. Um, and I don't think we're given the name of his boss in this issue. He's just called, he, they may call him Chief. Right. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. Again, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to find out when, you know, we'll have to start making a tally as, as we go through. This issue is the first time the, the newspaper was called the Daily Planet. This is the first mm -hmm. time we are given the name uh, Perry White. Uh, this is the first appearance of Jimmy Olsen, that kind of stuff. Uh, because really, all we get in this issue is Superman. We know his name is Clark Kent. And then mm -hmm. we have Lois. Um, we don't know who this motorist was that found him in the road and just no. said, oh, there's a baby. Let's take him to the orphanage. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll eventually find out it was Jonathan or Martha Kent in Kansas. We do know he also has bulletproof skin. Yes, that that's stays. true. Yep. And uh, is it uh, is it in this? And uh, yeah, and knife proof. Uh, dude yeah. tried to stab him and broke That's the knife. True. So we know that he has, I guess, impenetrable skin. Uh, but we, we well, yeah, I, that doesn't necessarily make him invulnerable. So we don't know that he's invulnerable yet. But we do know he's bulletproof. And that's, yeah. that's something that has stayed. Yeah. So, but yeah, that and Clark Kent and yeah. Lois um, so far are our constants. That, that we can still see now. Yes. Um, everything else you've mentioned, mm, may, maybe it'll change uh, by the time we get to the uh, 
Brian Michael Bendis run, which I, I meant to ask, did you read the um, Jim Lee illustrated run of Superman? Yes. Um, okay. I, I can't remember the, the, the name of that storyline, but yes, I did read it at least once. Okay. There, there actually is a character in that storyline who is a, a mercenary who's got red hair and his name is Mr. Orr. Oh, just saying. Nobody knows about my past. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, just, I remember running across that and going, holy crap, his name's Mr. Orr. But, uh, oh, um, there was something else I was going to say, and now it, it escapes me. Um, oh, the, the, the reason that they give us in this issue for him having superpowers mm, mm-hmm. is because the, the people from the planet that he comes from were so highly evolved. Right. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, it's because of the radiation from the Earth's yellow sun. Right. Whereas Krypton had a red sun. And I don't, that's just been the way it's always been since I started reading Superman. So I don't know when that came into into play. Um, I've always just assumed that that was a John Byrne thing, but uh, I'm probably wrong. And people are probably listening to this and shaking their uh, fist. And, well, but, we do know it wasn't that way from the beginning. Right. We, we right. can't say that. So highly evolved uh, species. Ad- advanced human development is what it, they even said human. They didn't say an alien race. So some of those things that you were running uh, down as they were attempting to create him, they, um, some of them continued to carry on and others they changed completely or they added to it. Right. And as, as they got to this. From what I understand, uh, a lot of his, the powers that he has now, they don't actually come into play. I think a lot of them are added to him during the Silver Age. I, I remember reading okay. something that the Silver Age was kind of like just every issue. It's like, ah, let's let's give him another superpower. You know, let's, was, we're not going to explain it. Superman? Yeah, it's like uh, we need him to figure this out. So he's got super hearing. Right. Uh, or he can yeah, see through right. walls. Or Right. We need him to see into yeah. the next room. So, he, yeah. He's got a super We need him brain. to hear people in the next room. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And we know from Final Crisis that he has a magical singing voice. Yep. As I did not enjoy Final Crisis. Um, I also enjoyed in this issue the, the, little, the little box there on the very first page where they give us a scientific explanation of Clark's superpowers. And they compare his jumping to the grasshopper. And oh, the yes, fact yes. that he can lift so much, they compare that to the to the ant. To, to the ant, yes. Found that enjoy because we know that uh, you know an ant can lift a rubber tree plant. That's right, because he had high hopes. Indeed, and that's all we need. And the issue ends with, uh, <sighs> and so begins the startling adventures of the most sensational strip character of all time, Superman. A physical marvel, a mental wonder. Superman is destined to reshape the destiny of a world. We don't know which world it says a world. Just not right. Could be Saturn for all we know. Um, my uh, one one of the things I enjoy most when I was doing the Golden Age Doctor Fate was reading the initial narration at the beginning of every story because yeah. it is so colorful. Yes, and I, <laughs> and, I and I I always heard it when I was saying it in that radio voice as if you were listening to an old time radio show. And that's how I tried to say it. It, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I was doing the same thing when I was reading issues two, three, and four. Um, Looking at issue one here. Let me look at the the opening here. 
Yeah, not so much in not so much in, in issue one, but starting with issue two, yeah, there's like exact. It feels like yeah, an, an old radio announcer, you know. Yeah, Adventures of Superman, and and uh, I actually quite enjoyed some of the narration starting with with issue two. There was some some uh, I remember thinking uh, that was that was very well well written, but uh, it it certainly adds to the um, to the flavor. Of yeah. of these golden age stories, you know, you can you can say whatever you want about um, what they thought people were interested in reading, you know, as yeah. far as the stories and how the story progresses. But but the narration, the narration could be used now for anything, for radio, for TV shows, for movies. It it just it it that golden age comic book, uh, even I guess you could even call it copy. Uh, is some of the best that you will run across. It's better than a lot of the narration that I read nowadays in yeah. in books, you yep. know. But yeah, I, I really enjoy. I I really enjoy that aspect of yeah. the Golden Age books. If if nothing else about the story captures my imagination, there will be just these these bits of narration throughout it that I'm like, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, exactly. I like yep. that. What are, what did you think of the art? Um, the the art was passable. Um, I've seen art that I enjoy more. I've mm-hmm. seen art that I enjoyed far less than this. So it was, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that everything, I, I thought that the art told just as much story as any of the narration did. Yeah. Moving panel yep. to panel. Um, a lot more movement, though, I thought, in any one particular panel than a lot of stuff that you'll see today a lot of stuff yeah. today is posing yep. you know so that they can make a poster yep. out of it and so that yeah. whereas this has got movement lines and speed lines and even the character appearing once and then as a ghost to simulate movement and you know all these yep. different things are used then whereas I, I don't know they've been forgotten now and they're not used as much or yeah. but yeah I, I thought that there were the the art was more than just passable I thought yeah, um, it was it was okay. Um, I know a lot of people uh, tend to throw the excuse around as well as the go- it's the golden age, you know that that stuff sucks. And and to them, I say, uh, look at uh, freaking um, Captain Marvel by CC Beck. That is oh, some yeah. just no, some yeah. gorgeous art. I could absolutely, I, I could I could read that stuff all day long. It's just beautiful. But um, for for the first issue, and again, uh, we're under the going under the impression here that uh, much of this was newspaper strips that they repurposed. Mm-hmm. So that did, I think, mess with the flow a bit. Um, but you know, not a not too bad of an issue for Superman's first appearance. He is nope. very much in this issue the champion of the oppressed. He, he saves a woman's life who is going to die on a death row. He he saves another woman's life from being beaten to death by her husband. Um, he well, Clark doesn't protect Lois, but Superman does. Yeah. And that the the famous cover of Action Comics number one, where he's you know crunching the car down, that comes from mm-hmm. right inside the book. You know that happens right inside the book. So that's the the car with all the gangsters in it. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable. I had a lot of fun with it, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to moving on. And and that I think is probably the biggest word. A lot of fun yeah. with it. It was fun, you know. I didn't feel like I was being talked to, talked down to. Doesn't it? Didn't feel like I was being, um, you know, 
led by the story somewhere or yep. anything. It just, it was. Um, and particularly this issue, because it was just Superman does, Superman does, Superman does. <laughs> so it was like, yep. okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, not a lot of character growth, you know, you know, yep. n- none of that. No, uh, not not a lot of uh, motivation except for, you know, just got to help people. Right? Well, you know, first off, where where did the girl come from on his shoulder that was bound and gagged? I, I, I don't know, because, I, you know, it was just the summary. Wow, okay. Yeah, the summary specifically says Superman learns that an innocent woman named Evelyn Curry is executed for murder. He captures the real murderess and delivers her I, to the and that that doesn't that, really happen. It just no, suddenly not not that way. Yeah, just out of the blue, boom! He's got this woman on her shoulder. She's bound and <laughs> gagged, and and again, it was such a such a shock because he just uh, sticks her behind a tree and says, "You wait here," and you're like, "What the flip is going on?" And uh, you no, learn, no lead of up, course, throughout lead the story. In. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, no lead in at all. It's just like, bam! You're right in the middle of the action, and and. You know, that's what storytellers do nowadays. You watch a movie and sometimes it just, you're just right yeah. in the middle of the action. You don't know what's going on. And you're just like, yep. holy crap, what's going on? And you have to watch for a little bit to understand. And they, they certainly did that in this book and very well too. I mean, because again, I just, I couldn't imagine why Superman had a woman bound and gagged over his shoulder and why he just stuck her behind a tree. <laughs> it just seemed really weird. Just, yep. Give him a couple panels though. Yeah. And he, he, yeah. he told you all about it. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to say about this issue? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think that's pretty much everything that I made note of. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up this episode. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this first episode of the Superman Super Show. If you want to drop us a line, you can do that at the Superman Super Show at gmail.com. And if you want to help the show in any way, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts or just generally tell all your friends about us. So until next week, I'm Steven and I'm going to say goodbye. Goodbye. And here's Ed to say goodbye. Goodbye. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.